Welcome to the Unriveted Podcast, where we talk about technology initiatives such as artificial intelligence, digital transformation, and people. This episode is brought to you in part by the Age of Invisible Machines and the, the chance meeting of Dr. Joan, our guest, and John and I at the Opal Data and AI Summit in San Diego in May. With that, John, would you like to give the full proper intro? All right. Thanks, Martin. Uh, so like you said, we are joined today by Joan Bajoric, who is the VP of Data and Analytics at OneReach AI. Um, and uh, as we stated earlier, Martin and I have both uh, received and read uh, the book Age of Invisible Machines, but we'll get to that at some point, I think for now. Uh, let's just start out with a brief intro about yourself, Joan, you know, kind of how you got to where you are today, and uh, and we'll just let the conversation flow from there. How does that work? Sounds good. Thanks for having hi. me. Uh, yes, well, great, great to be on. Uh, hi, yes, greetings uh, from Seattle, everybody. Uh, I'm Joan. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. I'll say that, originally a Portlander. <laughs> uh, linguist and researcher by trade. Um, got a master's in linguistics, and that's really where I dove into this field. It's so funny, like ChatGPT is, you know, becoming big. Uh, I got into this field back in 2015 when I saw NLP and acoustics, and I was like, this is the future. Like, this is hard. <laughs> um, but the research coming out of Stanford, it was clear um, where the field was headed. So um, I got my PhD in the broader field of speech language technology, um, backends, data sets, optimizing experiences, which is what I do today at my day job. Um, also at OneReach, um, looking at ways to optimize systems, ways some really cool and different use cases at work. Um, I, the jokes I usually make are like, you know, I find great opportunities that are multi-million dollar opportunities for our customers. <laughs> and then those learnings across different, different projects. So um, I love the data. I love the storytelling. I love meeting folks like you all also work in this field and just really getting to be at the cutting edge that's actually being applied to real problems. Um, so that's that's a bit about me. That's, that's awesome. And we are very excited to have you here today. Um, I have two daughters and two sons. There's a, a, a photograph behind me. And uh, as an inspiration to my youngest daughter who may be heading off into technology, what words of inspiration would you give a young girl that's a teenager in the world of tech, which seems to be male dominated? Yes. Let's see. Oh gosh. It's funny because Martin, when I was much younger, I was a language fanatic. <laughs> like if you, if you told younger Joan that she was going to be in tech like this, uh, I don't know that she would have believed yet. I think, you know, there's a, oh, Martin, I don't know. It's a really fun field and there are tons of cool projects. And for me, the joke we usually make is like linguistics is a gateway drug into computer science <laughs> because the further you go, the easier a little bit of Python and R can make your life. Uh, but I do think, especially in a day and age where almost no coding skills are even needed for a lot of the projects we do, um, the... You also don't need to necessarily be in male-dominated 
<laughs> rooms and hackathons to still get amazing education um, from online sources and certifications. So it's an easier day than ever before, is what I'd say for anybody, all genders. I agree. This is awesome. The the I think the entry bar has leveled the playing field for new entrants across various disciplines to enter the the playing field for the next generation of hyper automation as as I like to see it happen in real time. Yeah, this one my friend was telling me a story recently of a, a, a computer science college professor and they're like having a crisis at work because all the intro level classes they're like how do we even evaluate people's homework for classes 101, 102, 103 if you can spit out <laughs> code like literally in seconds that does it for right. them? Or like what's the relevancy of this class? <laughs> uh I think I, I don't know if you all saw my recent post about like debugging, but like there's still a need mm -hmm. for human in the loop. Um, yep. But yeah, it's the barrier to entry is wildly low these days. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good, um, I think Martin's initial question about, you know, what advice would you give for other young women who are potentially considering pursuing, you know, a career in, in tech, or maybe they're not interested in it, but, you know, maybe they'll get there. <laughs> One day. Um, but uh, I think that's a good segue into talking about just the barriers in general of tech that I believe, you know, some of the concepts in Age of Invisible Machines, uh, you know, your organization, OneReach AI is obviously all about this, but it seems like kind of the overarching theme is, um, is not just reducing barriers for women or other, you know, uh, underrepresented groups, it's just lowering the barrier for everyone in general that doesn't have a background in tech or coding. So I think thinking about that, I'd be interested to hear kind of your thoughts on, you know, what your experience has been in developing like a no code, a low code, no code platform, the, and, and maybe even some of the, the, uh, you know, the questions or, or issues that come up when you try to, uh, pass that off to like your customers um, as, hey, here's a tool you can use to hyper, you know, hyper automation uh, that doesn't require code. What What are some of the things that um, you experience in that? Was that a long, was that too long? I was going to say, John, John pulled one of those three pronged questions on me. <laughs> I know. I, I can't help myself, right? <laughs> well, and they, they layer beautifully. Uh, let's see. So I'll, I'll take at least the no code one, which mm -hmm. many tools these days we're seeing, you know, they don't have to be only for developers, right? Like we see these amazing, sophisticated no code or extremely low code options, um, especially in our field of conversational AI, flow building, right? Like making pizza chatbot or whatever the case may be. There's, you can try these today on many, many different websites. I think what gets harder that OneReach also works on is like, how do we take that lovely flow into enterprise grade experiences for our customers? Um, it's a harder, harder, harder feat. And, and I will say there's a lot of customization. Like I would, our company calls it low code because we do do some really sophisticated <laughs> enhancements um, for, for some of our customers. But um, I think from that no code, open to all self-serve versus our proprietary platform that's really robust. And then we definitely have customers that are like, hey, we have a team. We want to upskill. We want them to have, you know, customizability 
to the nth degree. And we certainly do onboardings with them. We also have customers who are like, hey, we'd rather not touch that. <laughs> Here are these requirements. Please go do it. Uh, and so I think there's all kinds of flavors of customers. But today, OneReach doesn't yet have a self-service um, opportunity. One day, let's see. Um, but we are full steam ahead on the current projects we're at. So don't don't add more work to my plate, please. <laughs> um, but I, but that's ex exactly explained in, in Rob's book, um, Age of Invisible Machines, thinking about when this is accessible to the world, when you don't need to be a um, full stack de developer, the possibilities that abound, the different things get built. Uh, it's, it's really exciting, honestly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... Um... And Martin, I'll let you jump in on this, but that, you know, it sounds kind of like what you're describing is very much like the definition of digital transformation. One of the topics that we talk about a lot on this uh, podcast, um, and maybe it's kind of an evolution of that concept of digital transformation. And I think we even, we even had an episode where we said, you know, digital transformation is not just an IT initiative. It's a, you know, it's a holistic corporate wide, you know, everyone from CEO Alice to mailroom Bob, I think is how he put it. So, because uh, <laughs> uh, we love using Alice and Bob names, uh, you know, in our, uh, you know, our thought experiments uh, okay. in the science community, right? So um, what do you, I mean, think about that, you too, Martin, I mean, because you obviously have uh, more experience than either of us, I guess. You kind of see it the same way. I, I do. I do. I I like to remove what I called uh, Joe from the button pushing position in the button pushing factory, and uh, and I and I usually say Joe because I I feel it's appropriate to say it, it doesn't take a lot of intelligence to push the button. And I know my grandfather's name is Joseph. I I don't want to you know downgrade the name, but uh, you know. Um, it's time to remove the finger off the button, the human in the middle when it's not needed um, and, you know, raise it up a level. And, and Joan, my, my career goes through, you know, pure embedded systems all the way up the chain through open systems. And, uh, and then how do you manage these things at scale? And how do you know when there's a problem? How do you remediate faster? And I just see the potential of where we are with generative today is just the tip of an iceberg. And I, and I, and I think this iceberg, I can't even see because most of it's under the water still. And it's like, you know, the, the Titanic couldn't see it either. And so my, my concern is people might be blinded by the tip of an iceberg as being the angle, but it's, it's just a tip. It's how you can leverage it for, for good. And I, I know we also did an episode on nefarious uses of chat GPT as an example, but I feel the amount of good you can do with this actually is a new next generation of uh, innovation and growth potential that's beyond the the surface level momentary apps that we're seeing crazily being developed today. What are, what are some of your thoughts? Oh yeah. Oh Martin, I'm a big ideas abstract. Um, cool. Well, what are my ideas? I do think right now people are very nervous about the nefarious. Um, use cases. And certainly as of uh, June, 2023, you know, we see people going to different um, governments and we're worried about this uh, extinction problems and so forth. There's a lot of fear mongering. I think we're not necessarily yet seeing or talking about as prevalently how helpful, how impactful this can be for 
medical use cases for emergency triage. It can really do a lot of good. Um, I think how we use it at work at least, and we, we've implemented it since 2020. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to say, I mean, it's true, uh, but just to remind people, we, we are on top of it. We have a, a toolkit that's enterprise grade where we use generative AI specifically for different use cases. So I think as we think about nefarious, <laughs> bad use cases, <laughs> et cetera, you know, putting chat GPT on an enterprise system that's, you know, public facing may not be your best idea yet without guardrails, but not leveraging it or not being on top of the, what it can do uh, is to set yourself behind. I think compared to your competitors and we finally see these things to market, right? Like people are like the imagination <laughs> of bounds of what we can do right. with these things. Um, yes. I don't know. Well, that, that reminds me. Um, and I will make this a single pronged question. <laughs> I promise this time. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the powers that be in the tech world, um, Elon Musk and I don't know, Bill Gates, or I, I can't, I don't, there might be more than one, uh, Ian Lacoon, I think, uh, Jeffrey Hinton, all these big names um, in the AI space have asked the, I don't know, other business leaders to sign this. Let's hold off on developing AI because it's so scary and we got it, we got to stop. And I haven't read the, the, you know, the missive itself to know exactly what's in there. Uh, but in your opinion, do you think that's a wise choice for us to put a pause button or do you think it's it's not going to happen? Like nobody's going to really take those guys seriously and progress is going to go forward somewhere in the world uh, at some point. Yeah, my gut reaction is it's quite naive. Uh, mm -hmm. We can, we could stop, right? Like we can shut off these APIs from working properly like that's it's utterly possible are we going to stop everyone in the whole world who's trying these things to stop tomorrow uh, the there's little financial incentive <laughs> to to pause and hold off i do think really thinking strategically about guardrails and you know europe leads the way on gdpr and, and compliance stuff which certainly if you see the size of the fines they have thrown at google and, and facebook meta they're no joke or well, yeah. <laughs> it's probably a rounding yeah. error in those budgets. <laughs> but all the same, uh, Sam Altman, you know, seems nervous about Europe's regulations that are coming down the pipeline. So um, uh, we need them. Anyone can agree that we need them. Uh, so mm. it's just a matter of what they look like and how they get um, implemented. Right. Interesting. You you brought up a name. I, I, I don't necessarily need to repeat Sam's name other than saying Sam, but um you know, noting where the sources of the data comes from has been sort of like a black box, uh, how it's been labeled, methodology, um, you know, concerns of, how do I want to say this? Um, uh, stealing of intellectual property might be a polite way to say it. Uh, you know, where, where do you draw the line? Me or in general? Yeah. In, in general, in general. Yeah. You know, I just recently was reading an article about the Reddit and how, how they're changing their monetization and people are like, oh, whoa, I have to pay $20 million to leverage this data set. Wait a minute. Uh, you know, different IP. It's interesting. 
there's certainly the artistic, like creative scraping, like I've heard Dolly, like what is it scraping to create its stuff? My take is actually to like from the rooftops as a white woman point to the work of black women and <laughs> women and scholars who've been working on this for years, the stochastic parrots paper that got uh, the top ethicist from Google fired, if you remember a few years ago, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but specifically warning about large language models and saying, hugely powerful, but are they going to homogenize and really these ginormous data sets and who do they harm the most? Marginalized mm -hmm. folks, people of color, um, <laughs> like, and climate change, like literally monetizing for, you know, rich Californians harming the, you know what I mean? Like, is it worth these big yeah. costs? And when it makes mistakes, you know, the criminalization, immigration, like you read that paper and it was uh, written in 2020, published 2021, repercussions went down. Now in 2023, <laughs> we're like literally seeing that paper pan out. Uh, so really when, when I think about the GPUs, actually, that's one of the biggest things I think about right now is how this is spurring on climate change, um, is, is one of my biggest things that keep me up at night. <laughs> uh, but just the, uh, as we heard about at the conference, right? One data center is put in every three days and they can't keep up with demand right now, uh, for GPUs. So props to NVIDIA's stock. Um, but other than that, you know, really thinking about, uh, the scale and where we're headed with this technology. Interesting. I, I think about the green footprint also and the concern there. The the other side of it is um, you know, what if what if the code was all rewritten in in compiled languages versus uh, interpretive languages, would those GPUs really be necessary? You know, it's that's that's a, a valid question. I mean we we we've lived on Python and R and Scala and you know other scripted languages uh, for full stack and other services, but you know back in the old days uh, it was assembler language for me and then C then C plus plus and oh my goodness the uh, you know the MIPS is much higher if I could code uh, in a more primitive language I mean not not going back to assembler or machine code for this but uh, you might kill some Nvidia stock in the process is what I'm trying to get. Right. Well, and, you know, Google has said, in, or the leaked memos, like, they, we have no moat. Like, it really depends on the customized data set. I think we could actually leverage smaller <laughs> data sets in a better way that's more tailored, um, which would, in theory, use far more um, and far less energy um, to deploy that. So I think the strategic usage, right, like, the fact that Google put a code right out, like, <laughs> that's no joke. Um, so really thinking about the previous default is transforming in front of our eyes. Although the joke I'll also have to make here is that uh, TikTok's um, usage is higher than Google's uh, as of what, last year, year and a half. So it's not actually uh, just, or video usage and kind of <laughs> escapism <laughs> being a huge use case as well. Go TikTok. <laughs> well, we might not even have that around for much longer in in the U.S. I so. know. Who knows what will be regulated on that one? <laughs> and there go those jobs. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, I never took the TikTok plunge. So uh, it's uh, a world I've never d dove into before, and I feel better for it. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't see any Gen Z in the room yet. But um, No, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to hold back the laughter by being silent. Uh, <laughs> oh. Well, um, 
things to watch, things to learn from. And there's certainly users while in the world using TikTok, uh, the usage base, or I've, I've heard of uh, people complaining in Europe about <laughs> the, that, um, the GPUs being hurt, hurt uh, by TikTok. So just thinking about how we, what energy is being used, how really. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Yeah. As we wrap up here, Joan, what, what kind of advice would you give to yourself or others uh, following a, a pursuit being early career, what what advice would you give to, to them today? Oh, yeah. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, there's never been a day more accessible in education than today. The, I regularly go to tutorials, stay up to date as I can on different things, um, really pursue what you're interested in. As far as jobs and career stuff go, it's ironically still a very human-based thing. The best jobs, the best opportunities are the people you know. And, and, you know, really early stuff. Mm-hmm. So thinking about those technical skills and those lovely soft skills and human, the human things still matter. So those are the, that's the advice I would give. Awesome. Well, Joan, thank you for being on Unriveted today. I think on behalf of John and I, this has been lovely and we look forward to uh, working with you more in the future. Would you enjoy coming back? Oh, I'd love to. Awesome. <laughs> That is a wrap, and that's all for Unriveted.